Hour number two on this Tuesday morning, Darren, Donick, and Chase, ESPN 102.5, the game. Hope everybody's having a good day to this point. We told you, cram-packed hour, Rod Gilmore in the on-deck circle, David Poyle, Predators GM, right after him. So the next two segments going to be filled with really good guests here on the program. And let's bring in college football analyst Rod Gilmore, who is on the line with us. Rod, good morning. How you doing? I'm fine. How you doing? Oh, we're doing fantastic. I know that uh, your life uh, got changed in a way that you're going to talk about in 2016, so I want you to tell our audience how your life changed back in 2016. Well, in 2016, I went in for an annual physical and was uh, shocked to find out that I was uh, diagnosed with a blood cancer uh, known as multiple myeloma. And like most people, I didn't know anything about it. Uh, I didn't know that it was a type of blood cancer uh, that gives you long-term issues of relapse and remission, sort of like a roller coaster, that it's an aggressive, complicated uh, disease. Um, I just I didn't know that it affected African Americans twice as often as white Americans. Uh, I was sort of drinking from a fire hose to try to understand the disease and to figure out what to do going forward. So uh, that's what happened to me in 2016. Uh, I'm now in 2019 uh, working with Amgen to help other multiple myeloma patients. Uh, Amgen came up with this wonderful uh, plan called the Myeloma MVP, or Most Valuable Plan, which really helps patients become empowered uh, to get some control and create their own personal plan to help manage uh, multiple myeloma as they, they live with it, which is something that I had to do um, going forward after I was diagnosed. Yeah, um, and so it, it's obviously a rare blood cancer, and and, and when what, when you talk about this, and, and obviously you talk to people that have been in the, the same shoes as you now, what, what do you think is the most commonly asked question to you, Rod, about this? Well, I, I think the, the most common question I get from, from patients is, what, what do I do? Yeah. And that's why this, this MVP uh, is so great, this most valuable plan, because it actually walks you through what to do. And the first thing is, you know, talking to your doctor and being open and honest about what you want, what you feel, what you need. And then the second thing is, you know, you can't go through this thing without having a personal plan. With, with the ups and downs of this disease, you have to set your priorities about what you want to do. Do you want to work? How do you want to work? What social things do you want to do? Do you want to be physically active? So you set your priorities, and then you build your team of people, friends, family, colleagues who can help you do that. And for me, that was, you know, having colleagues help me work through I'm going to handle a 16-, 18-game college football season. Uh, what, what travel is like? How do I need to do these things? And for exercise, the same thing. What kind of exercises can I do? What's safe for me? And then you put this plan in place. So that's, that's sort of the challenge, and that's what I want patients to know, that you get some control and you get some empowerment when you create this personal plan when you're dealing with multiple myeloma. I love it. By the way, it has not affected your work. You continue to do... A tremendous job, and and Thank I think you. the the game you had well, it was Ole Miss and Missouri this past weekend. Is that yes, correct? That's correct. Uh, that's correct. Missouri is coming up on Vanderbilt and Tennessee's schedule here soon. What what have you, what do you Missouri see this at, week? 
That's right. What, what do you see out of the Tigers? I think that is an underrated team uh, with an underrated defense that is much better than the public knows. Hmm. And with Kelly Bryant at quarterback, they have a veteran player who has been in big games and uh, can handle pressure. Uh, he doesn't get uh, moved or worried about uh, you know, situations as some younger quarterbacks might. So I think they are a, a dangerous team that's under the radar. Um, people have conceded the SEC East to Georgia, maybe Georgia or Florida, but I think Missouri is going to have something to say about that. If they, if they don't come out of the East, they are going to have a say in whether it's Florida or Georgia that wins the East. So, um, so Vanderbilt will have its hands full uh, with a, a really solid and strong Missouri team. And Kentucky and Mark Stoops are going to have their hands full this Saturday. I think you're doing the Kentucky-Georgia yeah. yeah, game. Got- They're going to get an angry, angry Bulldogs team. I think that shocked the college football world when Georgia gagged that one at home, especially when you know that they are arguably have the best kicker in the country, and he missed two kicks, and they lost to South Carolina and Athens. Yeah, and you know, when you really look closely at that game and you look at the tape, um, it just seemed to me that Georgia was kind of tight that day and, and South Carolina played very loose. They were confident. There was a swagger about them. They were relentless. Uh, and I didn't get that same sense from Georgia. I think they were, they were tight for whatever reason and didn't play their best. And even Fromm had an off day. The guy who is normally accurate was uh, just not on the money that day. And so, you know, it happens. They're, they're, they're human. You know, they're, they're not computers. And so... They had a bad day. doesn't mean that they can't bounce back. doesn't mean that they can't run the table uh, from here, but they have no margin for error from here on out. Rod Gilmore from ESPN is here with us on Darren Donick and Chase. And we mentioned Missouri uh, playing Vanderbilt this week. And we talk to Derek Mason every week, every Tuesday at 1. And uh, I, I know he's frustrated right now. I know the team is frustrated. They lost to a bad UNLV team last Saturday, and they can't seem to get anything going. What, is a, what are your thoughts on the Commodores right now? Well, Derek is a good friend, and he's been with me for so long. He's been very supportive of me you know, as I've gone through uh, my uh, dealing with multiple myeloma. And I, I know that he's frustrated, and I know that he will be positive with, with his team. Uh, they're, they're close uh, to getting some things squared away, and the, the worst thing that could happen would be for he – or anyone else to let go of the rope. And I don't think that will happen. I know that they'll play with energy and will hang in there. He, he's that kind of a guy and that kind of a coach. And so uh, I think Missouri is going to get a handful from Vandy. But make no mistake about it, Missouri is a strong team. And I'm sure that Derek knows that very well. And then the other team in the state, the Volunteers, uh, we saw them get a win over Mississippi State. They battled early on against Georgia before the Bulldogs pulled away jeremy pruitt you know it's been up and down since he took the job in in just very weird circumstances what have you seen out of the volunteers so far this season yeah you know i had them last season i haven't had a game with them this year i've only seen them on tape um i I think it's a tough situation um and there's this knee-jerk reaction to quick evaluations and this is only you know um uh, an early period for for jeremy pruitt I wouldn't give up so quickly as some might be want to do. And I think Philip Fulmer will, will stick in there with him and, and give him some time. And, you know, uh, people have to remember that uh, the talent that they bring in at Tennessee, they, they have to go out of state because there's 
a limited number of D1 players that get recruited out of Tennessee. So they've got to fight outside of the state with uh, the likes of, you know, Alabama and Clemson and everybody else. So it's not an easy job. It's a, it's a tough job to rebuild that. But, you know, I know the, uh, the Volunteers for Life will hang in there. Rod, you've been around the sport for a long time, and, and we're seeing some big changes that could be on the way with California's ruling of, of letting student-athletes earn money. What is the NCAA going to look like here in the next three to five years? That's a great question. I don't think anybody really knows, but I think one thing has been clear, uh, that this change has been coming for a long time. Uh, there have been a couple of antitrust suits that the NCAA has lost. Um, there's been a push on several fronts to get the NCAA to modernize, to change. You're actually starting to hear coaches uh, push for that, uh, to change these rules. And it's, it's obvious, obvious that uh, players should be allowed to share in this compensation somehow. The teams, uh, the schools have made it clear for years that they did not want to pay players directly and they didn't want pe- players to be deemed to be employees. And the California law satisfies those goals. Um, it doesn't take money out of the budget uh, for any school, and it doesn't make the students uh, employees. It allows them simply to obtain sponsorships or endorsements or make some money from signing autographs that they otherwise would be prohibited from doing. And there are a lot of states that are teeing up to follow California. So I think the writing is on the wall, and the question is really whether the NCAA will, will get involved and change and move in this right direction or if it will go back to court and spend money there and frustrate this effort for uh, more years. Last thing, Rod, as we wrap this up, I want you to tell people where they can find more information on how to manage multiple myeloma. Thanks. I I think it's important for people to go to myelomaexplained.com. And as I mentioned before, the myeloma MVP, or most valuable plan, uh, those are two critical items that will help not only patients, but Uh, people who know patients or maybe friends with patients or are trying to help someone use those two resources and it'll it'll really make a difference hey keep doing a good job really good to talk to you thanks for doing this and we'll uh we'll talk to you down the road sounds good thanks for having me all right that is rod gilmore college football analyst for espn and abc in dealing with multiple myeloma and that is a rare blood cancer that we've been talking about too in fact i'll tell you about something we're doing for a rare blood cancer at Nissan Stadium here in the next coming weeks. When we come back, our weekly with Predators General Manager David Poyle. That's next. We keep things rolling right along here on this Tuesday morning. Darren Donick and Chase, Darren McFarland, Chase McCabe alongside Willie Donick out in Vegas tonight. Predators and Golden Knights, 9 o'clock puck drop. I'll have pregame for you starting at 8 and everything heard right here on ESPN 1025 The Game. Hello, David Poyle, Predators General Manager. David, how you doing? Hello, I'm good, Darren. How are you guys doing today? We are doing fantastic. A nice, finally, some comfortable weather here in our area, which is nice. Okay, well, I'm out in Vegas uh, with uh, with Willie, and the weather's nice here, but uh, my mind is uh, on hockey, so uh, <laughs> we'll have to put the weather aside for a bit here. No doubt about it. By the way, David Poyle, every week brought to you by Gary Force Acura and Cool Springs wine and spirits i have to believe you are thrilled with the production through five games from matt deshane i mean you know it's well-documented story he's finally here but it also has to play out on the ice and through five games it has and it looks really good 
Yeah, it certainly has. I mean, he's, uh, as they say, he's made other players better. He's made uh, another line better. Actually, our, our offense is everything that we had uh, hoped for and dreamed dreamed about. Uh, uh, so all of that is is great. It's I, I I love the offense that we're bringing. The you know the the, the chances that we're getting and obviously the results mean the the, the goals. Uh, it's real interesting because as we've talked about last year, when all the things that were good with the Predators from goaltending, defensive play, penalty killing, all of those uh, areas, except we just couldn't get anything going offensively, um, you know, to, to really, you know, put teams away. And, and again, our power play was the worst in the league. So our power play has been good and <clears throat> we've been scoring goals. Now, yeah. the flip side of that, unfortunately, is now we're giving up a lot more more goals and we're not as sound uh, defensively as we as we were last year. I mean, I guess that's uh, that's life, isn't it? It's a, you get one thing and you lose another thing. But I, I really, truly believe that uh, the defensive part of the game is with, within our our, our skill set, uh, our, our, how we play, and the abilities of our, our players. Um, the flip side of that is I'm not sure you can just you know teach offense. I think you that is uh, an area that you have to have the skill. So. That's the good news is we got the offense, and Matthew Shane has been a big part of that. The bad news at the moment is we're giving up way too much. So probably there's a, this the middle ground there. If we can find that, we should be in uh, we should be in good shape. I feel like you just answered my my follow up, and and thank you for that because I said that on these airwaves yesterday, and I wanted to ask you. You're the Hall of Fame hockey mind, and you're the general manager. I said, look. Are there concerns right now on the back end? Yeah, there's been some breakdowns. There's been some turnovers. Play hasn't been great in front of the goalies, especially UC Saros the last couple of outings. He hasn't been playing at his best that we've seen. But you traded exactly what you said. You trade away a top defenseman, and you get a top score. So you gain something in one area. You lose something in the other. So you knew that. But with that being said – to me, you can't teach off. It's like you can't just teach goal scoring. Either it's there or it's not. But you can coach and teach things on the back end, the blue line. Is that? I think you just said that. Is that fair to say? I, I, I think I just uh, said that, and you 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 said it real well. <laughs> also, I'm I'm uh, again I'm happy with with oh, I guess the, I'd say the, the the dynamics of our club and the possibilities that we have with this new offense. Uh, having said that, you know we're not going to win uh, on a consistent basis if we play uh, like we did in LA and give up as much as we did in LA. Uh, you know, it's 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 thrilling uh, the Washington game, you know, six five. It's thrilling, uh, uh, you know, the LA game when we came back and it's, we made it four four. Unfortunately, we lost in the, in the last minute to LA. But um, there's got to be there's got to be some adjustment there to uh, to uh, you know to to play the the right way, I guess. The other part of it is that we've been uh, again, which is not ideal. In the in a couple of games like LA, we're behind four one. In Washington, uh, we're behind four two. These are, you know, going into the third period. I mean, it's fantastic to come back and beat Washington and score four goals in the third period. It was unbelievably exciting to come back uh, to tie LA four four. And I think every man on our team thought we were going to win that game. But that's not really the right formula for. Um, you know, for a successful uh, team the whole year. So I'd like to, you know, play a little bit closer to the vest uh, with our skill set, take the opportunity to get the lead, and then, you know, play 
play that way, I think we'd be have a much uh, that would be a much better formula for us than what sort of happened in the first uh, you know five games this this year. But uh, again, for the probably the third time, I'm, I you know we didn't have the offense that we needed last year. It appears that we have it uh, this year, and I think that that enhances our chances. So I like where we are. We just have to refine our game a little bit. David Poyle, Predators General Manager, on the line with us his weekly every Tuesday at this time. So let's talk about a little bit more on the back end. Dante Fabro has been has received so much praise for his body of work to this point, rightfully so, but there's also been through five games we've seen this year. Now his role has increased, we know that. And so there's been times when you see, you know, the I guess that those rookie moments. How how do you manage that as an organization? Because you know that's going to happen. And I also want to ask you to you to this point, how do you feel about your third D pairing, whoever that may be? Yeah, I think with Dante, it's uh, been mostly uh, mostly good. But again, you're you're bang on in your point. I mean, there's been a couple of hiccups in uh, different uh, moments, different parts of uh, games. The good news always seems to be that Dante is uh, very coachable. He learns uh, real fast. Uh, he does not, uh, I'd say. Uh, totally lose it when he makes a mistake i think he recovers uh quickly so i like all of the all the things i like about dante i mean ideally are we are we playing him you know too much and we've talked about this in the offseason after we traded you know suban would he be better suited to play a little bit lesser role right now you know the answer to that could be uh yes and so that goes into our third pair and i think uh you know coach lavalette's gonna have to you know probably uh, rely on Hamhus, Irwin, and Weber a little bit more as as Dante, you know, learn, learns his way here. So maybe there should be a little bit more ice time for for those guys. I'm not sure exactly uh, what what uh, Lavi is thinking about in that that situation, but um, you know, again, for so many years now, we've been a top four defense uh, team. In other words, the top two pairings get so much more ice time than the third pair. Maybe there has to be a little bit of adjustment uh, there. I, again, I think we have the experience there with uh, you know Hamhus, Irwin, and Weber that uh, that they can play higher if if need be. So um, you know, I, I guess the, the feeling right now, this is bottom line, is that you know Fabro is going to be a real good player, and I think we probably should live a little bit with the the odd hiccup here and there. But mm-hmm. overall, I I think we're we're pretty happy with him. Yeah, good stuff. Uh, last thing on my end, I've seen in the last fifteen minutes or so, Adam Vingan from the Athletic put out that. Uh, you guys have placed Daniel Carr on waivers. Can, is that one? I have not seen that anywhere else. Is have you guys put him on waivers? Yeah, yes, we have. That's uh, just as a like a half hour ago, something like that, fifteen minutes ago, actually. So, what? Uh, that's a twenty-four hour process. Uh, he will. He's with our club here in Vegas, and um, we fly after the game tonight to uh, to Arizona. He will go with us. Um, at tomorrow at 11 uh, a.m. Central Time, he will either clear waivers or he will be picked up by another team. And at that point in time, I will have a couple of decisions to make. If he clears, to, uh, whether we send him to Milwaukee or if, uh, you know, depending on how our game goes tonight, whether we play well, you know, guys play well, whether the coach wants to make a, uh, make a lineup change, he, he, could, he could be playing in Arizona or he could be going to Milwaukee. So the, the thought process there is that he has, he's worked hard during uh, training camp, and he's got in a couple of games, but he was a leading scorer in the American Hockey League, and that we we need and want production. That's what we think he can do to chip in offensively, and it just hasn't happened for him. In his conversation with him yesterday, I mean, he was, he was disappointed uh, 
that I approached him about being on waivers. But on the other hand, I think he fully realizes that his scheme, just this and there, is whether it's his confidence. I mean, he was a little bit, uh, you know, just upset that he hasn't performed to the level that he knows he can. So our our our, our play here, our hope is that uh, he will clear waivers, get down in Milwaukee, get his scoring uh, back up to where it was, and give us an opportunity to, to recall him and maybe put him in when um, when he's got his total game together. But as of now, you don't plan to call anyone up for tonight's game? You're just going to wait and see how the process plays out for tomorrow? No. Rocco Grimaldi, who missed the last game, is ready to go tonight. So we have uh, four lines, 12 healthy forwards, and that's what we'll go for tonight. And like everything else, we reassess after every every game. So Carr could be back in the lineup as soon as tomorrow night in Arizona, or he could be in Milwaukee. That's, uh, that's how the, the NHL works. David Poyle, Preds general manager here with us on Darren Donick and Chase. So one thing that, that I, I have been curious about of when you had the initial roster for the season, you had 22 instead of the 23. What What is the idea behind that? I know that so much depth on this team, you want to give guys an opportunity to play in Milwaukee. Is that pretty much what it is or is there something else to it? Uh, that's pretty much what it what it is. I mean, you uh, our schedule is – uh, a little bit light here at the beginning of the season, also where we're not playing uh, any back-to-back games. Or you know, our travel is like for let's say for example uh, tonight we needed to get another player after the, the game tonight. Well, you know, we have an off day tomorrow, so there'll be plenty of time to fly somebody in from Milwaukee to to Arizona, and you know, vice versa. We play in Arizona, then we come home, and you could get somebody on Friday if you needed somebody for Saturday against Florida. Uh, so yes, always uh, when we're talking about our younger players. Uh, we would certainly want them to be playing. So this is a you know prime example with uh, you know Daniel Carr. He's you know he's he's uh, he's had some experience, but he hasn't played that much in the NHL. And uh, we really feel that uh, he if we get that, if we get him down to Milwaukee, that he should get in the real good positions, get some goals, get some assists, get some more confidence, and then when the opportunity presents itself again, call him up, and hopefully the next time he'll be in a better position to be more successful. David, a player that we talked to you a lot about in the offseason and, and you were very supportive of, and, and that's Kyle Turris. And through the first five games, you know, being uh, having the team here for most of that has been beneficial because you can see so much more when you're watching it with your own two eyes and not on TV. I feel like I've seen an improvement in him. I, I've seen his confidence start to return. What have you see out of, seen out of Kyle Turris thus far? I, I, w- I would agree. I think, uh, uh, again, it was a... a it's probably a little bit of a uh, slow, slow process. I mean, he's playing in a in an area in a position that's a little bit new to him, meaning he's playing a little bit further down in the lineup than he uh, usually has. I would hope that Kyle could take that as a positive that um, he's still playing with good players and he's getting you know good matchups, which might give him an opportunity to um, to do more things offensively. He scored the winning goal uh, the other night in our in our, our game at home. Um, I, I think it's I think it's coming. Uh, again, it's uh, he just probably needs to get a little I'd say a little bit lucky. I mean, he had uh, the other night he had two great opportunities to to score and you know just didn't didn't happen for him. And you know it's, we all know it's in in, the, in this game and in life sometimes it's just the you know uh, the difference between a couple of inches here and there of uh, things uh, either going in or not not going in. And uh, you know I, I think Kyle's working. You know, real hard. He just uh, probably it's still a little bit of you know confidence when you've you know when you you haven't had that success for a fair amount of time. So uh, I hope he just sticks with it, and uh, I, I hope he gets a little bit of a break here and there because uh, 
again, I, I can just, I, I think it could be such a positive thing for us and for, for Kyle for where he is in the lineup. And if, uh, again, if he could start uh, scoring and creating offense, it would just open up so much for our team and, and just make us that much more dangerous. So I think progress and uh, hopefully it just continues and, you know, continues tonight and in Vegas, a big game for us tonight. I know Darren brought up the Duchesne line and playing with Philip Forsberg and Mikhail Granlund and just the success that they have had. But I've liked what I've seen out of the Johansson line as well with Victor Arvidsson and then Callie Yarncroke has been up there. What's been your assessment of them? Yeah, good uh, good change. Uh, nothing uh, like Craig Smith played there for the first uh, three or four games. But, but yeah, Yarny's been up there. It seems to be a, a good fit for him. Uh, he's a real, real hard worker, uh, smart, I guess you could say more of a safe, safe player. Uh, probably allows, you know, Joey and Arvey to, to be, uh, for lack of a better way of saying it, to, to, to maybe cheat a little bit more uh, offensively because Yarn is a good, reliable, uh, player, but, uh, they seem to have uh, some, some chemistry in a couple of games together. They seem to, uh, Yarny's game has certainly looked better there than it had when he was playing on a different line. So, um, I feel pretty confident about those first two lines right now. David, appreciate the visit as always. Enjoy the game tonight, and uh, we'll talk to you next Tuesday. Okay, guys. Thank you very much. Talk to you soon. All right. That Bye-bye. is Predators General Manager David Poyle every Tuesday at 1115, and he is brought to you by Gary Force Acura in Cool Springs Wine and Spirits. A very important announcement that we want to make that's going to happen every Thursday on the show on the other side. We're very excited about this, and we want to tell you about it. On the other side of Darren Donick and Chase, ESPN 1025 The Game. Good conversation with Predators GM David Poyle. Chris Johnston, who is the senior hockey writer for Sportsnet, does a really good job, an insider, also with NHL Network. Chris Johnston putting out that the Predators have waived Daniel Carr. Now, we asked David Poyle about that after Chris Johnston was the first to report that. And he said, yes, that has indeed happened because it wasn't out there anywhere. And Daniel Carr has 24 hours to pass through waivers. And you could kind of tell in just our conversations, he's played in a couple of games. Uh, He's minus one, hasn't recorded any points. Yeah. Um, That he was frustrated because, you know, you, you know when you live the life that Daniel Carr has lived that you know, it's about producing, right? When you get those opportunities, in those rare opportunities, you have to produce because your your leash is much, 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 much shorter than, you know, let's say a first-round pick or a big-money guy or whatever. Right. And so it's frustrating because there's a lot of pressure. And, you know, it's, it's not the same, but it's – I don't know if – did you catch this last night in the Packers game? Like Aaron Jones, like he had the big game. Right. You know, against the Cowboys. He had the four touchdowns, but – um, and I'm drawing blanks. Thirty was coming back. Um, thirty for the Packers. They're running. I'm drawing blanks. Williams, too. Jamal Williams. Williams had a big game last night. There was a pressure because Aaron Jones wanted to follow that up and like, hey man, this needs to be my because we've screamed for like Aaron Jones needs more touches. He needs to to shine and and Jamal Williams was back in and and what did he do? Aaron Jones fumbled. And then he has a wide open touchdown pass right down the seam in his hands, nobody around, and he drops it. And that was right. basically the end of his night. I mean, for the most part, it was Jamal Williams who had the big night. And 
but it was interesting how they talked about Aaron Jones saying, "Man, I've got to, I've got to follow up. I've got the pressure's on for me to get more playing time and for me to be the guy. I've got to keep producing like that." And so he probably put all this pressure on him Monday Night Football at home to have this big game like he did the previous week in Dallas, and he flopped. Does that mean he's a flop? No. Does that mean they're going to cut him? No, it just means that he put a lot of pressure on himself to follow that game up. And Williams is back in the fold. Man, I've got to have a big game tonight. And he fumbled and he dropped a easy touchdown pass. And when you're Daniel Carr, you know you every game, every game, every shift, you have to try to make something happen. You know they're watching you closer than anybody else, right? And... So far in two games, he hasn't produced, and you could kind of feel it with him. He's been a great guy to, to talk to, but uh, the team has put him on waivers. He's got to pass through waivers. He's got 24 hours. If he does, I suspect he will. I suspect. I, would think. I suspect. But the, we've also seen other guys that we didn't think would get picked up. Uh, right. They have, or we suspect that they would pass through, and they didn't. But I suspect that he will, and then they'll have to make a choice of it. And now that Rocco's back in the yeah in the mix, you know, do you send him Milwaukee? And you heard David Boyle say, try to get him scoring up, get his confidence back. The, the thing that is, and I'm going to use the word problem, but it's not a problem. But this is what the Predators have right now. They they have upgraded at forward, which is something that David Boyle said he wanted to do in the off season. So they've done that, but now. You got a packed house, so you have some players that you know we have seen up here in Nashville for the past couple of years. You know, Freddie Gaudreau is one of those. Mika Salamaki. You know, they're playing in Milwaukee right now because there's just not any room, and and you've upgraded, and that's what happens. And so Daniel Carr, you know, he was scratched for for a few games. Rocco gets banged up. He gets in, and you're putting him, I think, in a position that maybe he's just not used to playing. And so if you have the chance to send him to Milwaukee, then you can get him on a scoring line where he can, as you said, get his confidence up. And, and that's just what they have to do sometimes. I, I know that, you know, I heard him say uh, during training camp that nobody has the ultimate goal of playing a career in the AHL, and I get that. But when you are when you come to a team like this that's so loaded at forward that you're going to have to just take your spots. And I think that's why you see a Rem Petlick and an Ellie Tolvanen playing in Milwaukee right now because – it's more beneficial to them to get that type of on-ice experience than being on the bench up here in Nashville. So um, that's, I think, what could happen with Daniel Carr if he's not claimed. Uh, so we will see, as David Poyle said, 24 hours. It'll be about this time tomorrow. We'll find out if he clears, and then we'll find out what the corresponding move is to that because I would assume they're going to call somebody up um, and not carry 21, probably go with the 22 that, that they have been so far. But we will see. Uh, there was a signing, though, I don't know if you saw this, that the Flyers have signed forward Chris Stewart, who's a veteran in the league, had a tryout with them. They've signed him to a one-year deal, so he'll be he'll be with the Flyers. Formerly, I was with Minnesota last year, I believe. Well, they, they too, had also put someone on waivers, so it had been the Predators and the Flyers who put somebody on waivers yeah. today. So, uh, big game tonight out of Vegas. We'll head out to Vegas in the fourth and final hour to, to learn a little bit more about this uh this Vegas team because uh, we know they're they're scoring punch. They, by the way, they went into L.A. the very next night on Sunday and ripped apart the Kings at the Staples Center after Los Angeles came away with the mm-hmm. seven four victory. So it's going to be a fun one tonight. Vegas is four and two on the season through their six games. Um, 
Edmonton has been the team that just suffered their first loss. Finally, they finally lost. They were five and zero. Finally lost, so they've sit atop the Pacific. Did, did James Neal not score in that one? He did not. Yeah, there you go. He actually didn't score in their fifth win when they were five and zero, and he didn't score. So he's stuck at seven. Oh, he's stuck at seven goals. That's. Uh, I mean, he's gonna have to pick it up. He had seven last year with Calgary. <laughs> Unbelievable. He had seven through four games in Edmonton. I think he's happy to be playing with two guys by the name of Drysidle and and some guy McDavid. McDavid is that? Are they good? Are they pretty good? Well, like James Neal's stats will tell you. Yeah, and, things are a little bit easier. And when James you have those Neal, guys. look, James Neal is pretty good too. I mean, I, I think last year was just an off year. And well, but it's it's weird. You would think he would be playing for a crappy Flames team. That wasn't yeah. the case. They, we know the the season the Flames had. Right, they were really really good. It just he wasn't. Sometimes you just don't fit. Sometimes it's just you, you think it's going to be a good fit and then it's not. So I think he's in a good position now. Now something we've been uh, working on behind the scenes. There's been a lot Ooh, of work yeah. behind the scenes. Oh yeah, and we wanted to have we wanted an opportunity to bring a big time hockey guest to our airwaves to this show every week and we're going to do that every thursday at one o'clock now this is also packaged with a little giveaway we're going to give you the opportunity after that segment every thursday so following that interview we're going to ask you something from that interview so you're going to have to be listening to that weekly to then win predators tickets okay that's and that's brought to you by new amsterdam vodka okay but we are excited to announce that Elliot Friedman is going to mm-hmm. join us every Thursday at 1 o'clock, starting this week. I'm so excited about this because for for the we know we have a lot of diehard hockey fans that in 1 o'clock became tradition. You guys did the daily the, the uh, mm-hmm. daily dose of hockey or you know however you, you phrased it. But, we did it every day at 1 o'clock. Right. And so – People come to this show for for hockey stuff, and Elliot Friedman is, I'm going to say, the best. He's the best in the business, and he is fantastic. Breaking news. He's the insider. I mean, you know, we we when we were talking about this behind the scenes, I think we all had the same reaction when we found out it was going to be it was going to happen. Like he's going to break news on our show. There's there's going to be times where he comes in and he's got something. Elliot is just the best, and so. When we were asked if we could have who would be the guy, it was Elliot Freeman. It was hands right. down. But then becomes the question of can all the other stuff fall into place? One, can he do it? Most of his stuff he does up in Canada. He really doesn't do things in the States. He's got a lot of paid gigs. He doesn't agree to do a lot of stuff because he's a busy, busy man. Could we agree on a, you know on a price? Could we yeah. make it? Could we make all this stuff come together for it to work? It just dream scenario. Who would we want as our weekly? We gave a list. He right. was the top of, it. and we yep. thought eh, probably that's not going to happen. But you've asked, so here's the guy at the top, and then we'll work our way down the list. Well, we got the guy at the top. So Elliot Friedman, we are excited to announce every Thursday at 1 o'clock, on these airwaves, on this show, a weekly with him, and then following that interview. So you're going to have to be listening to the interview. We will ask a question from that interview. 
and then the very next segment you will get an opportunity to win Predators tickets courtesy of New Amsterdam Vodka because of that interview. But like I said, if you weren't listening, you probably have no chance of answering the question following yeah. that every Thursday. I have to uh, I have to correct you because our listeners are smart and they're tweeting at us and I just looked it up. Uh, James Neal scored a goal last night. Oh, it's dead. Edmonton. He's at eight. Oh, he's at eight. He is at eight. My bad. He had the My one. Bad. He, he had the one goal okay. for the Edmonton Oilers in their loss. He had the yeah. goal, huh? Mm-hmm. So the real deal, James Neal. How about that? The listeners, they're on it. Oh, and they, I mean, it's my, my timeline is like, no, no, he scored a goal. James Neal scored. So Give him his eighth. So there we go. So he is already. Thank you, Brian. He is already passed. Thank you, Brent. Last year's goal total. Yes. <laughs> We're in the middle of October. So clearly he likes playing in Edmonton. So good for James Neal, a guy that we got to know uh, very well in his time in Nashville. All right, we'll come back, close out the second hour of Darren, Donick, and Chase next. Chase, we'll be seeing them at SunTrust Park. We sure will. Next August. If we had a Major League Baseball stadium in Nashville, who knows? Maybe that tour would have come here. But they're only really doing Major League Baseball parks in the summer of 2020. Green Day. Well, that'll be fun. Cause, what you is know, it, the Hella Mega Tour? Yeah. With Weezer and was it Fallout Boy? Fallout Boy, yep. That'll be a good show. I'm excited about it. We are I'm, on the field. Our seats are on the field. I'm excited. But, I mean, listen, that's exciting for me in many ways. Because not only are we seeing some great bands, but we're on. You'll we're, be doing less miles. You'll be eating grass. We're on the Braves field, the home field of the. Let me clarify. Uh, He's I'm eating it, not smoking it. He'll yeah. be eating grass. Yeah. Yes. Thank you for clarifying that. I wanted to clarify that. Make sure. <laughs> anyway. And you've never seen Green Day. I'm not. I've never seen Weezer. And those are two of my favorite it's bands. It's going to be a fun show. So. I saw Green Day the last time they were here, which has been well over a decade and it was fun i had no idea what i was in store for that night and i came away going wow i'm a huge fan they're really yeah, I, good i mean live. i've heard from you and other people that they do an awesome show live so i think it'll be fun and uh like i said going to atlanta always a good time suntrust park august baby yeah. early august i would love to see some games at suntrust park you know in late october but that's not this year well, looks like the National League is all set. Uh, it's about to be. How about that? Honestly, I know you don't want to hear this, and I know we've got a lot of Cardinals and Braves fans in this market. I get it. I I think it's funny that the Nationals are going to represent the National League. Yeah. I don't know how many more times, how many more examples does baseball need for these teams to stop giving guys $300 million contracts I know. or 250 or whatever the number is. How many more, do, how many more examples do you need? When does it lead to huge success? When, but they've paid, they've paid some pretty good money to pitchers. I mean, they, they signed Patrick Corbin in the off season, gave him a pretty good contract. Yeah, what, what 150 million. Yeah. But, but I mean, my point is they have spent money in the right places. Signing Bryce Harper to, you know the deal that he ended up three hundred and thirty million, right? It, that wasn't going to help them, and and I think him leaving has made them better. Well, because look at the Phillies. Well, what the what the Phillies do? What the Phillies do well, this year? We know the answer. Their manager got fired. So, yeah, I, I'm with you on that. I just and I don't like the Nats very much being in the same division as the Braves, but 
it's been pretty impressive to see them in the NLCS. He signed Corbin signed one hundred forty million dollars. That's chump change in baseball, right? But that's what I'm saying. I, I understand it's chump change, and and I'm gr- agreeing with you that you don't have to pay these you know, huge contracts, and they've spent money in the right way. Did ways. the Padres sell out all their games this year because people were there buying tickets to see Manny Machado with no. his $300 million contract in San Diego? They had no. the biggest boost in local TV ratings, went up 80%. What, from what? Did. From what? 1%? Maybe. <laughs> up to 8%? I mean, uh, what was the? give me the Padres ratings last year to go up that much. I mean, my guess is it was really really yeah. low i mean it, it was a low starting point but they had by far the biggest increase so i mean there there is a reward for spending money even if you don't win right away but i think next year is kind of the beginning of their real window i'm just saying do you do you believe manny machado will change the padres franchise he won't hurt i don't think he'll I yeah mean, but we're talking about 300 million dollars it better not hurt they're gonna have, have to get spend the, it they're gonna have to get the right manager that can you know manage him that can control him, they're going to have to do that because I think that's that's how you are successful with the players like Bryce Harper, Manny Machado. You have to have the right guy. You know, Buck Showalter, I thought, did a pretty good job with him in, in Baltimore because Buck Showalter doesn't put up with that stuff. So that's what they're going to need in San Diego, and then they're going to have to get some other things. I mean, they're going to they're gonna have to work on pitching and building the team around him. So it's not going to be just one guy. Did I see where the Cubs were going to interview Gabe Kapler? Really? Oh. Really? Really? Is this whole like really TV analyst turned manager thing really working? I mean, can you really give Aaron Boone a lot of credit for the Did Yankees? you see who the Mets are going to interview? No. Do I want to know? I didn't I didn't have my glasses on. I I'm pretty sure I saw this on the crawler who we've had on the show many times in love. I think he used to live in Nashville. Well, I know he did. I don't think he does anymore. Eduardo Perez. Really? <laughs> what is it? What is it with it? Gabe Kepler, I think, was was probably one of the first that he was on FS one when they first launched. He gets a job. And then you have Aaron Boone that was doing Sunday night baseball. He gets the Yankees and he inherited just, you know, a tremendous team farm system. So I think I could go manage the Yankees well, and do a good job. Is A Rod next? Maybe. I mean, Jeter became an owner, so <laughs> that's working out real well yeah, for that's, him. Yeah, that's been really good. Um, I, I don't know. Would A-Rod be a but good then, manager? I don't know. I kind of think he might be. I don't know. He has been one of the biggest surprises he is, of when I watch him on Fox I and I watch him on Sunday Night Baseball. On television. I do. He, uh, he is. I know people don't like him, and I get it. I know all the reasons. You don't have to document a Rod story, but has it changed the perception but of when him I a watch bit? him? Like when when he talks on their pregame or postgame or whatever, whenever he's on the studio visit, whenever it's him and usually Big Poppy and Pedro Martinez, the one I'm listening to the most when A Rod is talking is the one I'm I'm paying attention to. I think he brings it. I I think he's really good. I never thought I would say that in my life. I think people yeah. who don't like him are just people that have determined no matter what he does, okay. and I get it. They're like, I will never like him, and I get it, but I think he does really good. So I didn't like him either. I was one of those people. I I, I couldn't stand A-Rod, and he cheated and all that stuff, so I, I didn't like him for all those reasons. But I've softened on him watching him on TV. Now, I'm not going to change my opinion of – you know, he shouldn't have taken steroids, things like that. Oh, you know, I, I stand by that. 
and then the Hall of Fame discussion is that's for another day. But I, I definitely have changed my opinion somewhat of him just because he's been good at it. You you can tell he he hasn't had any type of ego. He's he's explained things in a way that the audience will understand. I think you you turn on the TV and he's somebody you listen to. I like him and David Ortiz together when they're on Fox, you know, in the studio show. So I I I'm with you. And so yeah, he probably would. Be I don't good know at how it. he is to deal with. You know, for them, I don't know if he's a pain in I've, the rear. I, I have, have actually, no clue if he's nice, if he's great. I don't know what it's like dealing with him on a daily basis, but just his work, watching him from afar, I think he's really good. I've asked someone that deals with him directly because I was curious about that too, and they've told me he is like the nicest and most easygoing individual that, that they've worked with. That he, It's not what you think it would be. Really? Mm-hmm. I was surprised by that. You gonna tell me off air who that I is? I will tell you off air who that is. Okay, I'm, and I will I will take that. I want to talk to you. Air. I'm going to talk to you on air about Cool Springs MD. I want to talk to all the men out there. I've been telling you for years about my friends over there at Cool Springs MD and how they've started to. They know a lot of you have started to seek help for hormone deficiencies and imbalances, and that just happens with age as we all get older. To a lot of us, and Dr. Jeffrey Lodge is front and center on that quest. The board certified physician, his wife Daphne Lodge who is the registered nurse and their experienced staff. They want to give you men out there the treatments that are required to improve your quality of life, and I hope you want that like I do. And their services have already helped a lot of you here in the Middle Tennessee area and surrounding areas with improving your immune systems, your energy levels, your cognitive function, and so much more. They're there to connect you with the medical care that you require to have that healthy and enriched life. If you want to achieve that healthy lifestyle, what are you waiting for? Pick up the phone, dial this number, make that appointment like I have, 615-283-7291. That's 283-7291, or you can always visit their website, coolspringsmd.com.